We'll start reading. And uh, he says, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So on the back side of your notes, on the sheet, uh, in verses 15 through 17, um, I have a couple questions there that last week when, when we uh, finished up, I asked you to look at during the week. Did anybody investigate those questions? Um, when he says, according to the Lord's word, does, does anybody know exactly what that means? Okay. So it was one-on-one, -on -one, so the word for Lord there is kurios. So he's speaking of Jesus Christ, okay? And the, and the Greek word for word there is logos. And it's the same word that Paul uses for the word of God throughout the whole book of 1 Thessalonians. And so if we go back to um, chapter 2 and verse 13... What's that? Word. Word, yes. Yep. Yep, that's true too. In verse 13 of chapter 2, he says, And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you have heard from us, you accepted it not as human word, but as, as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. So the word there in chapter 2 for God is theos okay and so there the the importance of putting that statement in this sentence is there's two things that are happening he's saying curios and theos are both god so the word of god they already understand before they hear about jesus christ they are already understand about the invisible god they understand about the divine, sovereign God, um, the one who has, uh, is unseen that's described in Colossians chapter 2. Um, and he's coupling together <clears throat> the authority of God with the authority of Christ in that they're both equal. Okay, two, two separate uh, individuals, but the authority and the sovereignty are, of both are equal. They're the same. And so when he puts these two together, he helps them to understand, helps us to understand that, that they're both supreme in authority uh, and they're also controllers or, ma or master. Um, oops, I tore my page. And so it's important to understand that, that he's, he's making sure that they understand that of the, the triune God, that Jesus Christ is going to be the one who comes down to the clouds and calls up all of the, the dead in Christ that brings the resurrection uh, forward. 
And so um, that's the reason why he is saying this. This, is, this passage is a, when you get into it and you study it, this passage is a confirmation verse that, that demonstrates or proves that Jesus is God. Uh, <clears throat> so Paul receives this information directly from Jesus Christ. Uh, and it's also new information, and we know that from 1 Corinthians 15, which we'll look at later, uh, when he describes that it's a mystery. Uh, it's something that's new to them, and that's a big part of the reason why when he starts this particular passage in verse 13, we, like we mentioned last week, when he says, Brothers and sisters, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who have fallen asleep, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind. He's not reprimanding them because they don't know but he is explaining to them okay you are following god you're following everything you know now i'm going to take you to the next step here's some new information that you need to understand and this is how you are going to fill with courage to do the right thing the body of believers to to encourage them not to to faint not to become weak um, and to continue to strive forward so um the last question, who is the archangel? You remember that? I know, okay, it's Michael. Um, we know that from Jude chapter 9. If we, or Jude chapter, chapter 1, verse 9. Sorry, there's only one chapter in Jude. Um, you can turn there and we'll take a look at that. A couple places where the archangel is described. Let's just, uh, we'll read verses 8 and 9. He says, In the very same way, on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and heap abuse on celestial beings. But even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Um, so we know that the only place, the only time that the archangel is described in the Bible, it is Michael. It's always talking about Michael. Uh, Daniel chapter 10, verse 13, doesn't give um, specifics to that, but they give a description. What I mean by that is he's saying, he's calling him Michael, and he doesn't say archangel, but he describes the archangel. Um, and, and Jim, you had given a verse last week in Daniel. Right, right. Right, right. Yep. So uh, we'll take a look at that. You said Daniel 12, 1? Yep, okay. Dan Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. It says, At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise, and there will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. And Daniel 10.13 gives the same description as what we just read. And that verse says, But the prince of the Persian kingdom 
resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Um, And so he's described as that prince um, who has the power to to protect. So uh, back in 1 Thessalonians 4, He goes on to give the sequence of events um, that are going to happen and how they're, how they're going to play out. Um, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Again, that word fallen asleep is important because um, it's disc- when it's describing Christ's death in the previous verse, It says he died, making sure that it's understood that Jesus Christ experienced every aspect of dying from the anxiety, from the the mental, the psychological struggles that go along with it to even to beyond what we would experience in death. And that is taking someone else's sin upon himself and having God, his father, turn away from him. Um, there's, there's elements to that that every other human being will not experience simply because we're not perfect, um, we're not God's son, we're not the, we're not the son of man, um, so there's elements that we will never experience and never understand. Um, so anyway, so he describes Christ's death differently than those who have fallen asleep because for us, um, when we die as a, as a believer, the grave to, to us in our own picture, in our own mind, becomes a door rather than a, uh, a final place. It's, a, it's just a passageway into the etern- eternal. So anyway, um, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Um, what can we say about the trumpet call of God? Right. That's Revelation chapter four, verse one. So, and, and this is, I I agree with what you said, but this is what I gathered out of. If you look at First Corinthians fifteen, um, I don't have that in your notes, but First Corinthians fifteen also describes the rapture very similarly to what Paul writes in First Thessalonians four. Um. If we, if we start with verse 51, I'll give you just a second to get there. 
Right, right. Right. So in in First uh, Corinthians fifteen, starting in fifty one, he says, "Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep." Again, the same word as sleep uh, in First Thessalonians. He says, "But we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound." The dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable have been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Uh, I'm going to stop right there for just a minute. <clears throat> I haven't gotten too deep into the study, but I'm convinced that the trumpet call that we hear and the Feast of Trumpets that's described in the Old Testament are linked. Um, and he describes it here as the last trumpet call of God. Is it the final trumpet that will ever be heard? <laughs> okay. So why does he call it the last trumpet call of God here? Okay. Right. 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 So, so you're getting into now what I was going to go into next is what's the significance of the instrument of the trumpet. And there's so many places in Scripture where trumpet is used to announce a royalty. Trumpet is used to announce the changing of the guard in the military. The trumpet is used for so many different... I learned this from Wayne when he was going through that very passage uh, back in men's Bible study. Um, and when you look at even where Jesus talks about Peter uh, denying me three times before the crow... The, the rooster crows twice. There's two different schools of thought on this. One is the physical rooster. Um, the rooster would crow at night when the sun went down, and it would crow again in the morning, and it would crow a second time. And it's, and it's known, any of you who are familiar with farm fowl, I guess you could say, that the, that the morning crow is always louder because it's an announcement of the day. I don't know if God created it that way on purpose or if it's just, the, I'm sure it's the nature of the beast, you know, so to speak. Um, but the other is the, uh, the Roman change of the watch, the change of the, the military uh, post was, con was called the rooster. And the, the week in Jerusalem Normally, it would be announced with one blast. But the week in Jerusalem, history tells us that during the week of the Passover, they would blast that horn twice because you would blow it to the west. And then you would turn around and you would blow it to the east because there was so much commotion. There was so much going on in the city. It was difficult to hear. And so there's, there's some that believe that when Jesus says before the rooster crows, 
and Mark and Luke are the one who say twice um, that you will deny me three times. So I'm not, I, I'm not saying that one is right or the other. I'm not dogmatic on, on one or the other. Uh, but either way, we know that Peter did deny Jesus three times before the allotted time. And the scripture tells us that as soon as that happened, that Jesus and Peter made eye contact through the crowd. They, that he knew immediately, right then, that he had fulfilled what Jesus said he was going to do after Peter had said. But anyway, I, I say that because I just bring that in there because... Um, it's the trumpet that, would, that the Romans would use to change their, their guard at the appointed times during their watch during the night. Um, but the trumpet is so important uh, because it is, it is always used for the announcements of the, the highest level of events that are happening. And, uh, and so when we read about the Feast of Trumpets in the... Uh, in the Old Testament, when, when God is giving these festivals and feasts to Moses, um, I, I'm fairly convinced that the, that the Lord's going to, uh, he's going to return on a day when most in the church are asleep. You know, I believe that he's, he's going to return on a day, on a Sunday morning like this, um, and there's going to be some so much thi- so many things going on in the world where it's going to be it's just going to be difficult to come and to worship and to serve and to praise the Lord. Uh, yeah. So that's a that's an important question because you say faith in Christ once there's there's after the rapture has happened Hebrews tells us no they won't they won't have the opportunity it says I forget exactly I think it's Hebrews ten. Okay. Right. And if they refuse up until the rapture, God will cause them to believe the Antichrist. Right. So the hearts of sin all through Genesis to Revelation is to have the offer of Christ and do anything to accept, accept it. Because it says in verse 9, the coming of the lawless one will come, will be in accordance with how Satan works. Right. Right. And you read a verse Wednesday night from Acts chapter 17 also. That was, that was first Thess- or Second Thessalonians 2, by the way, if you didn't have that. Um, but in Acts 17, um, you know, he's, he's talking to the people in Athens and describing to them who God is. Um, they're, they're, they have a, um, a, a shrine basically set up to the unknown God. And uh, Acts, Acts 17, Oh, Second Thessalonians chapter two. Yeah. So the sign 
Right. And you see a, a pretty detailed description in the Gospels when he's teaching on the kingdom. Uh, he, he gives descriptions of those. But in Acts 17, um, if we start in verse uh, 29, Therefore, since we are gods of offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So the day of judgment is coming on all who reject the gospel message. Um, and by rejecting the gospel message, it's just like what you said, there's people that they'll hear a gospel message. And I'm, this is, I've, I've become extremely much more careful. Um, pardon my grammar. <laughs> uh, anyway, more careful. I used to ask people, do you want to accept, accept Jesus Christ into your heart? Do you, do you um, uh, ask God's forgiveness for your sins? Well, yeah, everybody says yeah to that. Do you want to go to heaven instead of hell? Sure. Do you want Jesus Christ to be your king and tell you how to live your life? Hmm. I don't know. So the, when the gospel message is, is presented that way, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to everyone, and it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live soberly, righteously, and godly. That's salvation. Not, Lord, will you forgive me? If, if, if the answer is, Lord, will you forgive me? His answer or response to that is, live for me and, and repent, turn from sin and to God, then yes, I forgive you. If, if he says, live for me, turn from sin and to God, and you say, well, I'll think about it, then the answer is no. Forgiveness is offered, but until we come to a place of repentance. So as we learn and understand more, 2 Peter chapter 1, as we increase in godliness, as we increase in kindness and goodness and mutual affection, brotherly love, uh, and, and those things continue to grow, it says if you, if you continue to grow in these things, then you will become... Uh, then you will keep yourself from becoming ineffective and unproductive. You will bear fruit, then yes, you are his. Yes, you will be taken in the rapture, and if you're not taken in the rapture and you have been exposed to these things, according to Hebrews, there, there is no more sacrifice for sin's lot. Yes? In Luke? <laughs> Thought I knew, thought I knew where you were going with that one.
Right, right. And of course, he's teaching them about the tribulation, but the principle still applies because everything that's said here, Paul repeats uh, about salvation. So, I mean, in Romans 16, you can go to um, the description. Uh, you can go to Acts as well. Right. <clears throat> right. So um, there's a book out there called Your Best Life Now. I mean, I'm sure many of you have heard of it. You might have even read it a time or two. Um, does that sound appealing to people? Uh, you know, have you? <laughs> um, it's it's a it's a book written by uh, a guy who has quote one of the largest churches in the world uh, or in the in the United States anyway um, and uh, I, I've heard it said this way if if you want your best life now God be with you because you're not going to heaven if this is your best life then what can you anticipate after death you're not going to anticipate a better one you're anticipating that it's going to be worse. And so, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's one of, I believe, the devil's tools to, to get us away from the Bible and make us think that we're really following the Bible. Uh, what's his name? Joel Olstein. Thank you. I knew you would know, but I, I, it, it just slipped my mind. What's that? So, um, <clears throat> you'll lose it. Right. Right, so just the opposite of what's described in the title of that book. So anyway, in Romans 16, uh, verse 25, I want to read just the last few verses. Romans 16, we'll read the last couple of verses in, in Romans 16. He says, Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith to the only wise God. Be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, if we go to Acts, excuse me, that was Romans 16, 25 through 27. 
And then in Acts 26, um, the Apostle Paul is talking to King Agrippa and he's describing his own transformation. Um, he's describing to King Agrippa what happened on the road to Damascus when he met Jesus face to face for the first time. If we start in verse 19, he says, So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That's why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me, but God has helped me to this very day. So I stand here to testify to small and great alike. I'm saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer, and as the first to rise from the dead, would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. And so it's still difficult at this point in time for, for the Jews to understand that the message uh, that is described in the Old Testament is going to go out to the Gentiles. And so, and also at the same time, as Paul is describing what repentance is, turning from sin, turning to God, and he says, and they will demonstrate their repentance by what they do. So what, mean, what does that mean? It means now your passion changes. Your passion is no longer to, to gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians, Galatians 1. Your passions are no longer to, um, to acquire things for yourself. You, your motive for doing what you do now is because of the love of Christ and 100% of the time, if you're 80% in Wednesday night, if you're 80% in, how much are you really in? Zero. Zero. If you're 99% in, how much are you really in? Zero. Why? Because if there's a part of your life that you're still not ready to relinquish control of, you're still not ready to say, Lord, you're my king. You're my curios. You're the one who makes the decisions right and describes for me, shows me righteousness and holiness from selfishness and destruction. And so that sometimes is kind of hard to grasp. We want to, we, and it doesn't mean that you won't, you know, have a, a struggle from time to time. You might not, might fall a little bit. But here's what I've found in my own life. In order for me to do that, I have to take all of the people who hold me accountable and I have to step back from them. And when I do that, I step back from giving God authority in my life. So, <clears throat> you know, Jesus, we see the example that Jesus sends the disciples out by twos. And he explains to them, if one of you should fall, then there's somebody there to pick you up. There's somebody there to help you and remind you of the things, the, the task at hand. Remind you. So, 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 17 he says, I give you this information so that you can encourage one another. And again, I go back to what is the, what is the biblical definition of encouragement? Anybody remember? Courage. To fill someone with courage to do what is right in God's eyes. So if you, if a lot of times we think of encouragement, we think, okay, I, I want to make this person feel better. I want to I lift their spirit a little bit. What lifts your spirit more 
than doing what's right and knowing that what you're doing is acceptable to God. And that's, that's something that's, sometimes it's, it's a heavy or a, a hard to, to see position. It's a hard place to, to sometimes find. Um, but if you just simply, I've, I found in my own life, before I have a difficult conversation or a difficult decision to make, if you just stop and you clear your head of everything else and you just ask yourself the question, what does God want? Right. He wants your motive. Right. So if I choose to not come today, and this, this is outside the bounds of just physical, you absolutely are incapable of doing it. So if, you know, if uh, my dad today is in the hospital, okay, with pneumonia and COPD and all this kind of stuff, my dad can't get to church today, okay? Church can come to him, but he can't get up out of the bed and, and go to his church and serve and, and praise, you know, and, and, and work, uh, encourage one another, that kind of thing. So he's physically unable to do that. Um, that is excluded. But if there is ability, then the question is, is why do you choose to go? Why do you choose to serve? Why do you choose not to go? Why do you choose not to serve? Uh, and that's, and I agree with that 100%. And so when we are filled with the encouragement, he says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Oh, man, it's going to be hard to get out today. Oof. You know, and I'm not trying to criticize you guys either. So I'm grateful that you're here, but I'm not trying to be critical of everybody else. That's, that's not my point here. But if the, if the question is, there are some here today that are not here because they're sick. There are some here today because they live far away and they may not be able to get out of their driveway. Um, they're unable to physically be here. Um, but if there are some from our own body that just looked outside and went, oh man, <sighs> I think I'm going to stay in today. What's your motive? Why? Say that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Is that, is that what they mean by telecommunications, I guess? I, I mean, that's, that's true. And, and I, I spoke to my, one of my own family members, I, my mother, you know, because my dad's in the hospital. My mom, this, yesterday, last night, I was talking to her. I'm probably not going to go to church today. I can watch it on Zoom. And I said, Mom, I said, I understand, you know, why, why you feel that way. You know, you don't want to get out and you don't want to get out in the cold. And I said, but if the hospital calls and they need you to come because dad's in a bad shape, I said, what will you do? She goes, well, uh, if the car starts, she goes, I'll, I'll, I'll go. I said, so you'll get in the car and go to Aurora to, because dad's in the hospital and he's suffering. I said, but the one who can cure him from his suffering on Sunday morning, you won't get in the car and drive five miles to town because I don't know if God will protect me. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Where do you want Jesus to find you when he arrives? Why is that? Because people are too afraid to have that conversation because they don't want to, oh man, mom's not going to talk to me anymore if I, if I, 
if I tell her how it is, you know, we're more concerned with our own relationships. So the reality is, is the person who thinks that in her head and doesn't say anything about it is just as in danger as the one who is making the decision to not go to church in the first place. Say that again? Right. And so that's why I back, back up to, you know, what I said earlier is you got to back up and say, what does God want? What, and, and, and just take all of the other relationships that we have with other people out of the equation. And when you realize that the day is going to come when I'm going to be standing in front of God and my mom's not going to be standing there while me and God are having this conversation about why I did the things I did. I hope she's there. But when God says, I gave you the opportunity to acknowledge me before men, and you denied me before men, you didn't do what you knew that you should do, and you didn't say what you knew you should say. And so it, it, it blurries faith. It blurries um, repentance. And so when it says encourage one another with these words, the conversation that we need to have like that is actually encouragement because even if it means they go oh, fine I'll go <laughs> you know yeah everybody's been there I've had, that's had to happen with me many many times you know I, I, I'm not saying that to say that I'm you know any more mature or more spiritual than anybody else I've been on the receiving end of that conversation more times than I've been on the giving end and so encouragement is I want you to know that this is what God wants and I want God to approve what you're doing I want God to approve the decision that you've made even if I even if it took the pressure of another brother or sister in Christ to do that we're going to take up the offering this morning Lord you know my my situation you know my bills you know my payments that I have and all this kind of, and I just don't have it you know that that's just another area for years right for years I went encouragement is uh um fill with courage right to give someone the courage to do what's right in God's eyes <laughs> you can put it like this fill with courage you know to fill somebody with courage and so you know so many times when we don't yeah when we don't do it's because of fear so if we don't do what right and it's always about a relationship with somebody else it's it's rarely about material things excuse me yeah sometimes it is Yep. Anyway, go ahead, Jim. You were going to say Timothy. Preach the word. Yep. Yeah, and that's that's to his church at Ephesus. That's 2 Timothy. Yeah, 2 Timothy 4. And you can't preach that to a non-believer. No, it's got to be 
what right. me is what Paul describes Timothy and Corinthians and Philippians as the most, most faithful. faithful. And he still is in... <laughs> yeah. And this is after he's walked with Paul for what twenty some years already, and so Paul is still, as Paul's on his, he's facing his own execution. He's he's still telling Timothy, don't forget to be consistent, persistent, be faithful, and and do these things. Um, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. Uh, don't. Don't let any of that stuff play in uh, and be a factor in, uh, in how you teach and preach and lead your church. Um, so, uh, I'm going to stop right there, but I'm going to give you a question, and I'll read it to you slow for next week. And when you get a chance, take a look at this. Will there be any that enter the kingdom that are not resurrect, resurrected at the rapture. Will there be what? Any who enter the kingdom, and Jim's going to answer because he's already, he's, <laughs> he's getting excited. I can't be excited. Y yeah, yeah. Will there be any who right. <laughs> Will there be any who enter the kingdom that are not resurrected at the rapture? Sure. Um, no, I'm talking from the beginning of creation. Okay? And I'll give you a passage of scripture that you can look at. Matthew 24, 30 and 31. If you, if you just start at the beginning of Matthew 24 and read up to that, um, that'll give you some of the information on that question. Uh, because Matthew 24 talks about another trumpet as well. So, thank you for your attention. God bless you guys. Matthew 24. Yeah.